Hello, beautiful people. You are listening to the Communal Table Podcast, part of Food & Wine Pro. I am your host, senior editor of Food & Wine, Kat Kinsman. And wow, my guest today is, uh, he's what a busy, busy man. I will note also, (laughs) this is not the first thing he has recorded with Food & Wine uh, today. He recorded Sip, Savor, Spit with my colleague, Ray Isle. And uh, yeah, and they made sure that nobody was too tipsy made. But (laughs) maybe we're in a cool, happy place for this right now. But um, I've got the Avett Brothers, Joe Kwan. Welcome. Oh, my God. So good to finally be here. Oh, yeah. We've been talking about this for a while. A while, yeah. Yeah. And you, I was just saying, you are the first person who has been on this podcast who is not specifically in the food industry, but there is a reason you're here. Yeah. I'm honored. <laughs> well, yeah. the way I met you, I'd been hearing like, hey, you know that, that Joe Kwan from Ibit Brothers, like, you know, he's a big foodie and he hangs out with the chefs and, and all this stuff. And I think technically... The first time I met you was at a Southern Foodways Alliance lunch at Butter. Yeah. Um, There's a thing every year called the Southern Mafia Mafia, lunch that they uh, have sort of during uh, James Beard weekend. And I was thinking, like, there's a rock star at the table. (laughs) That's really, really cool. But then the next time I encountered you, you were actually doing the cooking at an event. Can you talk a little bit about how this all happened? Sure. I I think uh, uh, that might... That might be a little over-exaggeration because I, I think I was, like, assisting Sam cooking. I, I, at that point, I was really trying to learn how to cook whole hog. Mm-hmm. And who better than to learn how to cook whole hog than Sam Jones? Yeah, a little bit of context on him. He is based in Aden, North Carolina, and and fourth generation, yeah. fourth generation pit master, yeah. something like that. And he's he's an artist of swine. Yeah, yeah. And it's very clear when he tries to teach you how easy... Uh, quote easy. unquote, <laughs> yes. cooking whole hog is uh, when he's just like, yeah, you just gotta feed the fire. <laughs> like, <laughs> got it. I can do that. Oh my gosh! And then once you see him, and so much of his art is in how he chops whole hog. Oh my god! Yeah. As well, it's it's such a beautiful thing. He gets these giant wooden cutting boards. Yeah, custom made wooden cutting boards. Oh, yeah. And he's just going at it with oh, two, yeah. with with a, if if you're just listening to this, my arms are flailing. <laughs> And like two uh, chop cleavers, cleavers, gigantic cleavers. Oh my gosh! And he's actually got a guy who works for him named Chopper. Chopper, <laughs> <laughs> who uh, he lives up to the title. It is a beautiful thing watching yeah. that man. It really is, and you should see his forearms just from wielding these gigantic like four pound cleavers all it, day long. It's intense. Yeah. And I think I met um, a woman. She uh, I, I don't remember if there was a tattoo or a shirt. It's a Chopper's girl. Oh no way! <laughs> That's amazing. It was it was pretty intense, but it it is. Really Really, it's it's an art. Yeah, it, it really is. Uh, it, it, going, you know, talking about Sam and what he does in his artistry. Once you are separated from Sam and you try to cook your first whole hog <laughs> by yourself, you really quickly realize what an art it is. Um, and it starts with him like popping the skin of the whole hog, mm-hmm. you know, because it's beautiful. And the other thing is he doesn't use like probe thermometers or anything like that he just has an ambient temp thermometer on the top of his cooker mm-hmm. it's a very non it's a non-insulated cooker that he uses or he uses cinder block formed you know pits mm-hmm. and his skill of just being able to hear what the skin sounds like to know when it's ready i'm blown away by because i'm like what are you doing <laughs> you know and he's just listening like ah. And it's well, quite beautiful. And well, and for him, the skin in particular is important because it gets chopped into the mm-hmm. meat, and that is part mm-hmm. of the joy. That is the the my favorite part. 
Yeah, for it's sure. so it, it's yeah. such a beautiful thing. It also really helps that he's like the local fire chief or somehow he's on that. <laughs> so uh, it, it, if you're working with fire, it really helps to True. know what you're doing on exactly. that front yeah. <laughs> as well. Uh, and you were you were crafting these beautiful bowls that also had uh, some greens by another not slouch in the kitchen. Yeah, yeah. Ashley Christensen um, was there with Sam and. Um, I'm, I'm, we were just talking about this, and I'm pretty sure it was a spoonbread cornbread with these collards. Mm-hmm. Um, either it was collards or some other bitter green mm-hmm. with uh, topped with Sam's barbecue and maybe some slaw. Maybe I'm thinking, I can't remember. It was it was a really texturally so yeah, amazing. Gorgeous. Yeah, like eyes roll back in your head. Like just one of those moments where you're just happy to be in possession of a tongue. Yeah, and yeah. man, and, and I, you know, and I was you were hustling back there. Man, I that I I don't remember very well, but I'm <laughs> glad I was hustling. Oh, that's good. <laughs> so how did you get wrapped into this whole food world? I think it started um, because I really am not sure how my my kind of love of food and preparation in the kitchen came about other than my earliest memories of cooking with my mom, mm-hmm. who uh, my mom and my grandmother, amazing cooks. Uh, my grandmother cooked every meal of my childhood for me. My mom cooked um, the other parts of those meals. Um, and I just would watch, you know, we would, I would sit across from her on, on the island of the, the cooktop would be in the island and I would just watch what she's doing and kind of see the movements. And I've always been fascinated by the movements of food preparation that go on. In a way, it's kind of related to music. You know, it's like, it's almost a practiced movement of how much salt you pick up, how much soy sauce you put in this dish, how much sesame oil, you know, and these like key dishes um, that I would pick up. Uh, and I think that slowly translated into, I think I just love watching food being made with love. Um, it's, it's a time that people gather and kind of all the negativity, hopefully, uh, slides away, Yeah, you know, and you can just gather around food that was made to nourish and made with love. Uh, and that's beautiful. That is a lovely Beautiful. thing. Yeah. So let's talk about food in your family. So you grew up in the same town as my husband. Yeah. Which is fantastic and random that that is, that is the thing. So you were born in Seoul. I was born in um, Incheon, which is oh, okay. just outside Seoul. Okay, um, but yeah. yes. Um, yeah, moved to Archdale, North Carolina when I was one, and then moved to High Point when I was five. Okay, so what the heck brought your family to North Carolina? Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> this is uh, I I did not know this, and this is something that's very cultural. You don't really ask about your path to past mm-hmm. to your parents. Um, really, it's just a okay. thing that you don't do. You don't reminisce about how did this happen, mm-hmm. kind of thing. But my wife, uh, being the scientist that she is, was like, "What brought you to America?" Just outright, you know. <laughs> how did that go over? It was great because my 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 mom. Um, is very much Americanized at this mm-hmm. point. You know, her, her, her values were always progressive for, for a Korean, you know, immigrant. Because my, grandma, my grandfather, my mom's father, was the same way in Korea. He was a very, like, forward-thinking individual. Um, but my mom was just like, oh, well, this is what happened. And just, like, all at once, oh, I found like, out my... Yeah. Oh, my God. And I'm like, 
Why did I never ask this? <laughs> <laughs> was it was it just something stopping you? Something like, oh, we just don't do this? Yeah, I think it was just kind of that. I knew that that was just something you didn't ask. You know, like, yeah. well, 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 how did we end up in Archdale, North Carolina? You know. <laughs> so what was the story? So um, back in the 70s, there was a United States program that brought professionals from outside of the country to rural towns in mm. America. And this is also coming from uh, kind of a mixture of my mom's like rem- re- uh, my mom rec- recollecting how this all went down. But he was brought to Archdale, North Carolina, and my uncle was brought because um, he was a doctor. Mm-hmm. And he set up a family practice in Archdale, North Carolina, which n- no one listening to this podcast is going to know where Archdale, North Carolina is. But I sort of do. Yeah. <laughs> but, but you do if you're only from High because, Point. Yeah. yeah, because it's the next town over from High Point, <laughs> the gigantic metropolis, which is High Point, North Carolina. <laughs> it's the neighboring town um, that, that then connects to, you know, it connects to I-85 south or north. I-85 is right down the other, other edge of Archdale. And... uh so he moved here, and my aunt was living here, and um, my aunt was like, there's just so much land here. Mm-hmm. You know, mind you, we're moving from Korea, Incheon, Korea, is very densely populated, Seoul mm-hmm. obviously is. So, is it, so it's a city, then? It's a city yeah, as yeah. well, yeah. It's where the uh, military base is. Okay. Yeah, so a lot of people know Incheon because of the military base. Um, and, yeah, and so we, my aunt was, like, really selling Archdale, North Carolina. <laughs> to my my mom <laughs> uh and so we moved uh in 1981 because it's uh, easy to move with a one-year-old <laughs> yeah and i had two older sisters who were <gasps> oh, seven wow. and ten years older than me wow um that was kind of an accident clearly uh happens <laughs> yeah so is my husband <laughs> yeah. and uh yeah so we moved to uh, trinity which is an, an even smaller town than archdale yeah, and so you, so you're you're one. You're growing up. So what is what do meals look like? So you're so you and your mom and your sisters are there, and then you have some extended family mm-hmm. as aunt, well. Yeah, my aunt and uncle, and then uh, her two kids, um, their two kids, uh, who were very similar in age to my sisters. Okay. Um, so it was very super close family right off the bat. Um, we had. Uh, I tell this story a lot. Like most people have yearly family reunions. Mm-hmm. We had weekly, sometimes biweekly family reunions. <laughs> I haven't seen you in hours. A day, <laughs> yeah. Um, so much so that my cousin, you know, we lived five minutes away from my aunt. Um, and my cousin would sneak into my parents' van, hide underneath the back seat of the van so that she could spend the night over at our house. Aww. Yeah, like that's how we kind of grew up. And so we had this weird mixture of... Korean food, the mm-hmm. best Korean food in North Carolina, no doubt. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm positive of it. And then my mom or my aunt's, like, representation of a southern dish they might have tried. Okay. Right? Like, biscuit bill. <laughs> okay, <laughs> let's talk through this. I love this so much because I love to talk with, with uh, friends whose parents were, were immigrants, maybe first gen sure. or something like that, and trying to interpret those particular dishes, but oh, through so a different funny. lens. A friend of mine tells me about the kind of, like, spaghetti and meatballs that his mother, mm-hmm. who grew up in Mexico, oh, made. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he loves it so much, but he, he would get embarrassed like if friends came over uh-huh, sure, and so sure. talk me through what's what okay first explain what biscuitville is to the people who oh, do not know gosh, the glory yeah. and the Sorry. majesty of biscuitville biscuitville to me is like the tenderloin biscuit <laughs> <Just> <laughs> yes like what I got. my dad would order the tenderloin biscuit mm-hmm. which 
is not necessarily tenderloin, but uh, <laughs> I get the bologna one sometimes. Yeah. It's just it's an it's like a, a a what's the best like example? It's like Bojangles but localer. <laughs> and so they have you can drive through. It's a and, drive through. Yeah. Oh, actually, yeah. Sunrise Biscuit Kitchen oh, too. Chapel Hill. Oh my god! But yeah, all these places like drive up windows and you and you look in if you happen to go in there and you see the arms of the women who make these biscuits. biscuits. Oh my gosh! Just like guns yeah, for days for sure. And they have a window so you can watch them making it in a huge tub of lard sitting there. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, it's legit. They're using lard. Mm-hmm. They're not using shortening. They're using lard. Those are some. Damn Damn so fine good. Biscuits. Yeah. So your mom sees uh, this biscuit and she thinks, "I'm gonna make that." So what is her? I mean, her this spin? is just like the dense. But <laughs> I don't even know what to call it. Probably, you know, the, we, biscuits the, are hard. They're, they're <laughs> extremely difficult, especially if you don't know what what's in them. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Somebody has to teach you. It's one of those things where you know I learned by you know I grew up on Bisquick. Yeah. You know, so it's not like yeah, I had, sure, sure. you know, somebody in my family who was, I grew up in Kentucky, but not like kind of the biscuit part of Kentucky. Yeah, <laughs> and my, my mom's cooking is kind of like, uh, you know, high school home ec kind mm-hmm. of uh, cooking. So I didn't learn this thing. Whereas my, my husband, you know, he had his me mama <laughs> there yeah. like making biscuits on top of, I think it was a pillowcase oh, or wow. something in like Eastern okay. Carolina, Man. like not far from where uh, Bill Smith grew up. And okay. so, so he sort of had that method. He didn't make them himself, but I was like, damn it, I'm going to master biscuits. Biscuits. What a that's a great thing to do. Oh, I spent a year on it. Yeah, I mean, what that, <laughs> it, it, especially if you perfect it, and then someone who's a southerner comes and mm-hmm. visits you, you can be like, "Hold on a second, <laughs> hold my beer." <laughs> you know? Yeah, I'm like, that's, I got pretty. That's some bonus points, right? There. So your mom's a scientist, then? No, no, no. Or, uh, my or... mom was a musician. Okay. Um, my dad was a musician, and they owned laundromats in High Point. Um, oh when wow! They moved here. Okay, are the laundromats still there? I don't know. Okay. Um, I haven't been back to High Point in ages. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking like a, it's yeah. uh, just give context about um, High Point. Yeah. It, it's a, it's a, it's not small. It's not big. It's got sprawl. But it's an international city. Yes, it is because there's a there's High Point University. Yeah. Uh, well, what what put High Point kind of in the international world is mm-hmm. that biannually there is this thing called the furniture market huge massive and every major furniture maker designer comes to high point north carolina mm-hmm. and displays their newest designs for i think it's a week or two weeks yeah and it's i mean we're talking about like italian couch makers you know like people from everywhere come to this town uh, and just show their furniture. Okay. And then it's got a whole separate wholesale purchasing side of it that resellers can come in. You know, like, for instance, Restoration Hardware will send buyers to buy their next line of, you know, tufted couches <laughs> at yes. the furniture market, rebrand it, sell it in their stores. And that's kind of the, that's why High Point exists. Now, with the invention of the internet, and the ability for the global market to come to everyone's houses, it kind of damaged the the kind of market of High Point, you know. Even though now there still is some, there it still exists. The furniture market does, but the actual 
grandness of it's kind of been diluted. It's an interesting thing. My my nephew is about to debut his furniture line. Oh, that cool. he it's all from hemp stuff. Oh, cool, cool. Folks buy herd and best right. <laughs> <laughs> like from different parts of the hemp plant and he, you know and he's he's it's a really we're all so excited for him. Um and my extended family gets really incredibly excited about furniture mart because they all rent their houses out to yeah. very rich people. Yeah, cuz you cover <laughs> your year with you know. Yeah, you can pretty much pay for your your summer home or right. your, your beach house. Right. People there have like, you know, beach yeah. houses out there. Um, but dining wise, it's been an interesting sort yeah. of thing because I go there and all I want to do is go to the K&W cafeteria, sure. get some barbecue, either drive to Lexington or go to uh, Carter Brothers Barbecue. Okay. I've never been to Carter Brothers. Okay. Carter Brothers is kind of amazing because they're, they're very, very Christian, which is lovely. Like they do all this charity work, especially on the big holidays, which is usually when I'm there. Um, but there is this giant painting of an in, an entire wall and and there is is Jesus Christ there with um, wounds in his hands, and there's a little girl saying, "What happened to your hands?" Hmm. And it's it's uh, and it's sort of an interesting thing to see while you're you're picking up your 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 barbecue slaw, <laughs> and uh, yeah, wow. so it's and it's uh, I'll I'll send you the address. You should go and <laughs> this is in High Point. This is in High Point. Okay. Yeah, it's it's really good barbecue. I mean, like it's great. Nothing compares to Lexington. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And Lexington's not far. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but I just want to go to KMW Cafeteria when I get there and get uh, a, a, a liver and onions. Yeah. A, a, a congealed salad. Yeah. What's your meat? What's your veggies? <laughs> yeah. Oh, what? you want to meat? Yeah. <laughs> Milk, you please. Yeah. Want to meat? Gravy. That's <laughs> the thing. Oh, I, my grandfather's favorite place to go was KW. So when he was, How old is he? Yeah. Well, he's passed away, he was, but he was 95. That's the thing is like you, know? you go in there and you were, uh, the average age is like 81 Easily. or something like that. Yeah. But that's why I love it. I love it so much. Because it is true to to what it is. And I would go in there and I would have my two veggies and a meat. What What is your order? Uh, I will get fried okra. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I get the I get the fried okra and the stewed okra sometimes. Yep. If I'm doing a double. See, I have a okra tattoo. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's <laughs> awesome. I will get fried okra and I will get the the the, the semblance of mac and cheese. Yeah. Um, as as my veggie. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And then I would get the roast beef. With the gravy. Oh, yeah. yeah. The chicken and dumplings are pretty righteous. Oh, I got that sometimes, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, liver and onions yeah. uh, makes me really incredibly happy. Yeah. And then, like, you know, if I'm still feeling it, like, one of the big desserts. Like, yeah, the big, jello like, cr- oh. salad. Yeah. Well, so <laughs> mostly the, the jello is how the vegetable congeal uh-huh. <laughs> that I get is, like, the tomato aspect yep. thing. Then what what is your particular beverage there? Uh, it would have to be sweet tea, but now... It's really hard for me to drink sweet tea without getting like jitters. Yeah. Do you get yeah. the the half and half? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, sweet or unsweet? <laughs> yeah. Like half and half. Sorry. There's there's an entire. Sorry, we've gone down this tangent, but I am obsessed with the kind of vocabulary around K and W cafeteria, <laughs> and they were also a really sort of early uh, front line in. Um, segregation breaking down oh, there were okay. protests at k&w and so they were uh, uh, specifically at the one in um in uh green greensboro. Green, greensboro yeah yeah so there were you know things that happened there then then uh, they were sort of on the er- i think on the earlier side of, cool, of integration and stuff. yeah there's a big there's sort of a big history to it but it is a very it is something that is so fundamental to there but this all goes to say um there's not 
you know, it's more interesting when I when I go there now. It seems like there are more and more different kind of of cuisines. Maybe it's just the decisions that I'm making <laughs> while I'm there that I just go over these places with like extremely southern cafeteria stuff or or barbecue or we'll go to the the place that only serves lunch and it's like three dollars. Yeah. We'll go to the Rainbow, which yeah. has been around there for like eighty years, and your entire meal comes out at once and it's yeah. one price. Um, so what what were your food adventures then while you were there? Did you did you dine out while you were there, or was yeah. it always home? Cooking. Yeah, sure. Um, it was uh, mostly home cooking. I think my my family would go out to eat mm, once a month, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, there was no Korean restaurant, mm-hmm. and if if you know anything about Koreans, all they want to eat is Korean food mm-hmm. um, because they just they know it and they you mm-hmm. know they can kind of figure it out easier. But there was this lady in High Point who had a restaurant. Um, called Hunan. She lived in Korea for a while. And so she would make Korean dishes uh, in the restaurant, um, but her Chinese food was also really great. So we, you know, we, our family is rather large, um, but we would take this kind of side room, which had like 30 seats, take over the whole room. So your family fit, okay, so yeah. when you said, fa- like how many people are in this extended family? Over 30. Wow. Yeah, cousins and everything. Like we would, fill up the room and the kids were all young at this point you know we're all i'm talking like under 10 mm-hmm. for for most of us maybe half of us or something like that so one thing that really like it was a, a was a thing with us was the kids just run around and yeah. you know like wreak havoc and i grow as a grown-up i'm like why didn't they stop us <laughs> but it was because we had that room right and know? it's the 80s it's yeah <laughs> and we just could eat these like Korean dishes that we couldn't get anywhere else that my mm-hmm. mom maybe didn't want to cook, you know, that night. So we, yeah. you know, go and eat it here. Because there's a lot of really time labor intensive. Oh, everything in Korean food is like labor intensive <laughs> until you until you cook it. Then it takes like three minutes to cook. Oh my god! Yeah. So I'm, I'm lucky enough that one one of my dearest friends uh, grew up in Seoul, and her mom comes a couple times mm-hmm. a year and cooks for us, mm-hmm. and does this bounty of stuff but she'll like with the worst jet lag mama you will just do this spread of like 20 some different dishes there are only a few other people who are allowed to cook and they're like only korean and i just i I sit down in that meal and i just feel like the luckiest woman on the planet because i know that how much work she put into this i know how much stuff she may have smuggled to make this all happen all of it (laughs) yeah yeah you know how much beef um in kind of like plastic wrap, you can fit into the lining of your suitcase <laughs> a fair amount. And yeah. like, and she's pretty adventurous. She brought a crab once. Oh, <laughs> she managed That's... to crab. I know this too well, and she probably like put in a Ziploc bag because oh, yeah. uh, my I got crab from Korea as well from my mom. Um, <laughs> It's this preserved crab and soy sauce. Yeah. It's a raw crab that's preserved in, in soy sauce. And she was like, this was so good. I brought it back. <laughs> like, I don't know if I should eat this. <laughs> right. Like it's been in your luggage. It's been in your luggage. <laughs> I get it. It's in soy sauce, but. <laughs> You're a good Korean son. Yeah. Sure. Well, so my friend actually, she ended up doing this so much that she started an importing business. Oh, and that's she, awesome. She imports all these like jungs and and uh, and like perilla oil. And okay. All this I got to get your. Uh, Gotham grove yeah. it's okay. she's so badass it's it's such that's, fantastic that's stuff yeah and she gets and she works like with the producers directly and stuff wow yeah it's really good stuff so you've got this great cluster of people around you mm-hmm. and stuff and now i can say uh, about high point my my husband didn't necessarily 
fit in there. He was a weird music kid, and he was, you know, he's a punk rock kid, and yeah. uh, he, he maybe at a high point central or whatever like that stuck out like a sore punk or you know mm. something or new wave kid and didn't work out so well uh, <laughs> for for him how to how to go for you i mean honestly it, it, it's really weird i never have thought about this like mm-hmm. whether or not i stuck out i knew i stuck out mm-hmm. because i was one of like five asian kids in the school mm-hmm. but i was in you know, kindergarten with the same people mm-hmm. I was in school with all the way till 10th grade um, when I moved to California to go to boarding school. Mm-hmm. So I knew them my whole life. Yeah. Like every year, you know, it's a small town. You go to yeah. the same school. So like kindergarten through 10th grade, mm-hmm. I just grew up with these kids. So okay. th- to me, when you're a kid, mm-hmm. you don't see like weird, you know, race things at all mm-hmm. you're just like oh it's just Joe I grew well, up with him. I think it depends on where you grow <laughs> true yeah, true yeah. yeah but I mean between children like yeah yeah like a, a kindergarten kid's not gonna be like oh you're Asian you know it's just gonna be like let's play Legos I, I will I will say the experience different where I grew up really where yeah I, I grew up in uh, northern Kentucky and it was pretty um, homogenous and people were not kind to to people Interesting. who, yeah, it was it was not a great thing at all. Hmm. I'm, I, I, I mean, I've definitely faced um, uh, racism in school growing mm-hmm. up, but I had so many people supporting me, kind of the kids I grew up with, yeah. that it never became an issue. Um, it obviously still pissed me off because. Yeah. Uh, you know, being that one, well, five Asian kids in school, you're mm-hmm. going to be like, why would you say things like this? You know, mm-hmm. um, and there, it's a deep topic to get into because there's so many, uh, like, aspects of being an Asian person that people mm-hmm. uh, kind of assume you're meek or you're passive or or, or something. And mm-hmm. and I I got big, like I'm a big Asian, and and I was one of the few who would just be like, what'd you say to me? Mm. You know, and that would be like, oh, that yeah. doesn't feel right. Like, why is this guy who's bigger than me? Mm-hmm. I'm supposed to make fun of him, not yeah. him confront me about it, you know? Yeah. So it kind of played to my advantage in a lot of ways for me to be bigger and step up and be like, I'm not going to take that from you. <laughs> you know? That's, yeah, that, is, re- that yeah. is a really, really good thing. And yeah. you also were a music obsessive. I was. And that kind How? of turned, yeah, I was kind of a nerd. Uh, not kind of. I was a full-on nerd. Um, same, friend. Yeah, I mean, same. <laughs> I thought I was cool. <laughs> I was a nerd. Uh, so uh, what? What? Explain your nerddom uh, to me. Like, was it was it a music nerdiness? Was totally it, okay? So how How did you find that that was your your thing? Like, like uh, it, it. I didn't find it. I was forced into it. Okay. Um, Another weird aspect of growing up uh, in a Korean family is that you have to play an instrument. Aha. Uh-huh. Uh, you have to be good at specific topics in school. Um, you have to be good in school in general, but, mm-hmm. the, you know, sciences and mathematics, you have to be really good at. Mm-hmm. Um, just because it's pounded into me at a very early age. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was forced into playing cello so much so that I, I my first cello lesson I, I woke up from a nap and was taken to a cello lesson <laughs> it sounds like you're abducted I to was a, abducted to, to a, cello a cello lesson, lesson. Yeah. at what age nine 
Uh, oh, is, how big are you in relation to the cello? About the same size as the cello. Yeah. <laughs> how did they decide cello for you? I do not know. Again, I did not ask. <laughs> did not ask. Why okay, the I'm cello? getting like I'm getting people from your family on this podcast and asking them questions. They about. would love it because they would just tell most embarrassing stories. It'd be hilarious. So, is anybody else in your family, your older siblings, Both are of, they playing? The, not the too? cello. So. I was the first one in the family to play the cello. Mm -hmm. uh, my mom played piano. My dad was a choral director. He, mm -hmm. he sang. My mom sang louder than everyone else in church, of course. <laughs> um, my sisters played piano. Um, my middle sister picked up the violin later in life. Uh, my oldest sister picked up the cello after I started playing cello. Um, but they were mostly piano. Uh, and there was just always music in the house. My dad listened to classical music on vinyl nonstop in the house that's just like what he did yeah. um and so that was just kind of my music nerddom was living behind a cello which was great as an angsty teenager to oh. be to have something like that i love the angsty that's so emo it's yeah so goth the cello is one of the so goth instruments <laughs> yeah. so when you're when you're thinking uh you love to do this how many hours a week are you, are you spending on this as a kid it varied mm -hmm. um at the peak of four to six hours a day mm -hmm. was it out of out of want out of necessity Sometimes, okay most of the time out of necessity uh mm -hmm. and or being like i wouldn't say yelled at but guilted into yeah. like you could be better have <laughs> you just oh, practice more? Okay, yeah. Let's get to that Korean parents yeah. and, oh, and disappointment. The drive. <laughs> are they are are they at this point like do you do you get compliments from your family or they God, like, good no, job, Joe? No. <laughs> I would be embarrassed if I did. Uh, like good job, Joe. We're proud of you. Like I would be embarrassed if I got a compliment from my mom. Wow. I would be like, oh, why? <laughs> why are you doing that? It was wrong. Yeah. Like, so. Is she hauling you to to practice to lessons to rehearsals during this time? Like, what is what does this all look like for you? Um, a mixture of her and my aunts. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, you know, kind of that communal vibe with mm -hmm. being an immigrant family. You say the family's very close to one mm -hmm. another. Do you live like, near each other? My whole f well, like extended family lived like within thirty minutes of us. Wow. Like yeah. on my mom's side. Um, and so we saw each other. That's why we had these bi-weekly family reunions. It would yeah. be at one of our aunt's houses or my mom's, you know, at my parents' house. And we'd just all get together because we eat Korean food, you know. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and, and so there was some combination of parents driving me or my sister's driving mm -hmm. me or my aunt's driving me or, or someone um, kind of getting me to and fro. Um, but yeah, it, it was weekly cello lessons, uh, once a week orchestra when I was playing in orchestras and then... Um, and then practicing at home. So who's this person or is there a person who at some point you're going through all this and you realize like, oh, this is the thing I'm doing all the time. Who says like, you kid, you got something. My cello teacher. Tell me about them. Yeah. Um, she was, uh, this amazing, amazing teacher, uh, who, I don't know how my mom found her, which mm -hmm. is the a story I wish I knew, and I will probably now ask. Mm -hmm. um, but she drops me off at this lady's house. Her name's Ruby Wenzel, and she's a cello teacher, and she's played for like 
three presidents and she's done all these things in chamber music. She's like very well um, versed in classical music and an amazing teacher. And my first cello lesson, she was like, he, he understands this rather well. Mm. Like he understands the like mechanics of it. I'm nine years old. So it's not like I have practiced sitting behind a cello. I'm like, I don't know what a cello is. Um, but she was very nurturing in that respect. And from day one, it was just like, oh, I think he could really, he could really get get good at this. And one day after another, it just kept. And I loved it. That's the thing. I remember yeah. loving the cello, having never seen a cello. That is, there's some cosmic thing that comes together here, like putting you with the right instrument. And yeah, because I sh- I started on piano when I was three. My mom tried to teach me piano. I hated it. It's uh, it's one of those things where, yeah, I took lessons for years and years and years, and it was just never qu- kind of going to be the right thing. But for my husband, it just, you know, duck to water. Mm-hmm. It, 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 there's just something in him that knows it. And it was also for him this transportive thing mm-hmm. because he knew he sort of what didn't fit in with the other kids at the country club and, you know, <laughs> all these things. But like he, he could play... Uh, the piano, and he could do it in the socially acceptable way in that you can play at church, you can play, yeah, yeah. you know, play all the, the hymns and stuff, and you, you know, and, and hey, you know, look, you can he can do this, and, you know, his mother would sing in the choir and all this stuff. But then there's the subversive way of doing that, too, where he was then, you know, in bands and mm-hmm. did all of those things and kind of found his people through that. So, so you're doing this. Are there... It's a, it's a funny thing when you when you realize yourself as an artist, when you care about this this thing. My, my background's in visual art and stuff. And I remember when I finally met in high school, uh, during governor's school for the arts, yes. the other kids who <laughs> oh, gave a awesome. damn about it. And I felt so much less isolated. What was the point at which you maybe met other people? Oh, man, it was, it was when I went to boarding school in California. Yeah. Like, it was eye-opening. So, but the reason you went to boarding school was to play cello. Cello, yeah. So that was again my 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 cello teacher was like, you know, he's he's he needs to get out of high point. He mm-hmm. needs to he needs to go play. Like he's getting good enough now where he needs to go and experience beyond what this town can offer. Um, I, I like for instance, I there our high school didn't have an orchestra, mm. so I couldn't audition for all state. Because you have oh. to have a high school orchestra to do that, you know, oh, that kind of thing yeah. has to happen. But they, they like somehow made accommodations because I was playing with the Greensboro Symphony Youth Orchestra, so I was able to go and audition for all state orchestra and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But it was just like, oh, he needs to get out and kind of experience a different, a higher level of of, of these things. And um, went to Idlewild, California, mm. um, Idlewild so School of the there? Arts. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a it's, it's an art school in in the San Jacinto Mountain Range. <laughs> Yeah, um, kind of like a, a hippie commune of a town, but has this amazing arts school, um, dance, theater, um, theater tech, creative writing, pottery, oh, photography, God, and like yeah, and, <laughs> and music, and and wow. yeah, it's a it is. I mean, it's a utopia for for artists. You know, it's just and like weird kids. I imagine bunch of weird kids, bunch of bunch of very. Uh, I don't know what the right word is for us but we were uh driven mm-hmm. weird kids in in, a, in that weird sect of, of art yeah it is a magical thing when you meet your your yeah. people uh like that to realize because otherwise like you know i was 
angsty teen in the basement painting Robert Smith on the <laughs> wall <laughs> and uh, you know and, and sort of really very lonely in, in this way you know I got along with people at school I had you know I would uh, absorb the art that I really liked but then to find the other kids who made that too mm-hmm. like this one particular magical summer you know and I know they have this in North Carolina mm-hmm. the, the governor's school for the arts and yeah. you know and we had it in in Kentucky and it just broke everything open yeah. uh, for me in a really particular way and I was able to kind of relax in my skin well part of me was like oh god everybody's so much cooler than i am and yeah they don't yeah yeah yeah. and you realize like oh my god they know all these bands i don't and they know how to do these things i don't know how to do these (laughs) (laughs) but what but i'm sure you brought something else to the mix too i don't know maybe (laughs) i hope i did i i'm uh i'm pretty competitive Mm -hmm. Um, which anyone in our band will tell you that. <laughs> I don't even have to be competing in the thing to be competitive. Like, I can just be watching the thing, and, and like, if my if the team that I want to win isn't winning, mm-hmm. I'll throw things. Like, wow. I'm, like, super competitive. It's a flaw to a flaw, because it takes losing to an S degree, like, t- negativity. Like, mm-hmm. I hate, hated it, you know? <laughs> um, But when I... Like I tell this story a lot because it was a great learning lesson uh, years later. Mm-hmm. When I auditioned at Idlewild Arts Academy, I was this new guy from High Point, North Carolina, coming into this international art school, auditioned for the orchestra, got a great scholarship to attend the um, to attend the school because my parents owned laundromats and they didn't have money to send a kid to boarding school. Mm-hmm. I got a you know great scholarship. Got in, auditioned. I got seated first cello. Wow! I was just I'm like, sure previous first cellist was thrilled with that. <laughs> yeah, and I was just like, "Oh, I am the shit," you know. <laughs> and it went straight to my head, which is the worst thing that could have happened. Oh. I should have been seated last cello. Then you have something you have to work for. Yeah, and it really. But at the same time, I'm. These things all just kind of fall into yeah. the right way it should, you know. There's no like, I, I don't believe in like this, this like a cosmic alignment that got me to the place that I am. But these are, there are things in my life where I'm like, that was such a learning experience yeah. for me that really helped shape the person that I am. Mm-hmm. And it truly did make me later on in life realize the, the benefit of working harder than everyone else. Yes. Yes, because there's t- talent can get you so far. But work, it, there's no substitute for working harder than everyone else. Yeah, you know, and like that's the thing that I learned because kids that were seated below me mm-hmm. were going to conservatory, and I was like, "What? I'm supposed to go to conservatory?" <laughs> you know, and I didn't get in. Ooh, yeah, ooh, ooh, okay. and it's because I just didn't work. So how how soon do you learn this lesson? <laughs> Uh, when I didn't get accepted to any conservatory. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And that's got to be. And, and also, you're a 17 year old kid or something like that for the first time away from oh, yeah. your, uh, you know, <laughs> well, this and this, this frequent get together of family. Yeah. So all of a sudden, like, you don't have this family unit keeping you in check, keeping yeah. your ego in check. Keeping the ego there. And yeah. how do you eat? During this time, if you're used to your mom cooking every single meal, what do you do? Uh, I I recently told this story to my sister because I I was a very good kid. Mm -hmm. Um, I 
I didn't get in trouble much growing up, mm-hmm. but because I think a lot of ways is because I was behind the cello. I was too busy yeah. practicing the cello. I didn't, have, the streets, right, I didn't have the opportunity <laughs> to go and do things that would I would get in trouble for. Um, but in my high school, my mom would send me these care packages mm-hmm. of like ramen and nori and rice, like microwave rice. Mm-hmm. That were, was like a new invention. And then, like, she would send me kimchi in the mail. Aww. And she would send me all these, like, pervert, preserved foods because she was really, she'd be like, what are you eating? Yeah. I'm like, are you eating cafeteria food? I'm like, mom, I miss Korean food so much. What's your gut bacteria going to be like <laughs> yeah. if you're so used to having kimchi all the time? Because it's really, it's so it's powerful. It's so good. Yeah. It's delicious and it's so good for you. Yeah, it is. And I missed it. And growing up, having nothing but that to eat at three meals a day. Yeah. You eat rice and kimchi. Three meals a day. Yeah. Along with all the other stuff that my mom makes. But those things are staples. And so I get to this high school. I'm <laughs> eating like none of that. And I'm like, Mom, could you please send me you know, some kimchi, some ramen, some stuff. The only time I got in trouble in high school, mm-hmm. I was a prefect, which means I was kind of like, uh, I don't even know what the, the, the right term is, like a guidance person at the dorm like something like mm-hmm. you, you're a cop it's a thing that they they appoint to you to like make you feel like you're some more important than you are you know <laughs> i don't know, even even know how to explain it but i was supposed to be like an example of like a good person who didn't get in trouble and i was cooking ramen in my bathroom oh. on a hot pad oh, no. i got busted by a dorm parent busted for ramen like, <laughs> the joquan story crushed me i felt so bad that i betrayed the trust of my cool dorm parent oh my god did your mom get mad did she find out did she get she mad didn't find you? out they, they didn't care oh, <laughs> you but you you're struggling internally. but i struggled you know i was like i can't believe i did that Oh my God, that's it. Still seems like it, it's like weighing on you. It's kind of, yeah, because it was a like I don't like disappointing people in general, but I was like, oh, I can't believe I did. I was so wrong. <laughs> you bad, bad, bad kid. Oh my gosh, I, I'm starting to get the signs from our producer. So like, we got to get to the part where sorry, like I feel like I could ask you a million questions about all. Of this. But so how? So you're thinking you're gonna get into classical? And, oh yeah, I for sure. But then how did you? So then where do where do you go from there? Because you know I know where you are now, and you know, and the kind of band that you're in, which is not a classical. Yeah, nowhere near it. Yeah, yeah and. <laughs> And, and it's such an interesting band, too, because it's something that has made its way into the mainstream in a, in a really beautiful way. Yeah, like, organically. Yeah. yeah we, never got a, we never got a hit. You know, never like, we never skyrocketed to the top or anything. We're but, just kind of slowly. But at the same time, it, it feels like everybody knows your oh, band. That's good. Like, it's one of those things where it has cultural saturation. It does. Yeah. In a weird way, people know us and people don't know us. Equally, like uh, uh, it's amazing how many people I'll run across where I don't ever start with, "Oh, I'm Joe Kwan from the Avett Brothers." You ever heard of us? You know, like, see, I do. I'm like, I know Joe Kwan from the. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, because personally, I'm just like, well, does that matter? You know, like, does that mm-hmm. matter? Is that my tied to my identity? Like, is mm-hmm. that who I who I am, mm-hmm. who I want to be? You know, and so I'll be like, well, I'm a musician, and I, most people will press. You know, well, what kind of music do you play? It what can do you play? mean a lot of different things, right? And so, m- most people be like, "Oh, you play classically." You know, I'm like, "No, I'm in a rock band." Cause once they find out I'm in, mm-hmm. I play cello, oh, okay, that's cool. What kind of music do you play? I'm like, oh, I, I don't know how to answer that question. Yeah. Um, but and that's when I'm usually like, I play in a band called the Avett Brothers, and like nine times out of ten, oh, I've never heard of them. 
you know. Maybe I'm um, running in a crowd. <laughs> it's interesting. The the food world does really, yeah. um, I think, mm, they have their ear closer to the ground in, in new music than most. There is, I really, let's talk about what that looks like, why there is this synergy. Is it because you are, uh, and I will note also, I you have a website, actually I went to your website today and it wasn't up. Yeah, I took it down today because um, it's getting revamped. Oh, okay. Yeah. But it is this wonderful thing called like food on tour. Taste on tour. Taste yeah, on tour, yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah. taste on tour. And it's this, and you're a wonderful photographer. Oh, thanks. But, uh, but, can you explain a little bit about what it is? Because I think this is such a fascinating thing. Yeah. So it initially started um, as a way of documenting kind of like the cool places that I would come across when I'm on tour. Like cool. It, it could be food or beverage or whatever, but mostly food. Um, or neat, cool chefs that I would meet, you know, along the way. Uh, and it was just a way for me to document it for myself. And then also share it with people who are coming to our shows. Mm -hmm. You know, like, oh, you know, we're going to be in Cincinnati. I'm going to go to this really cool, like... Jelly parlor? <laughs> right. Or some old breakfast place that I would go yeah. to. And um, it, that was how I started it. And, and um, I was talking to Ray earlier today about how as your band gets larger, you get forced further and further outside of town. Yeah. And so therefore... What used to be in the middle of town playing for 600-seater, you know, rock club, we'd be pushed out to a shed that's 45 minutes outside of town. Mm -hmm. So now all of a sudden I can't go out to eat. So really the, the website had to, is, had to change, which is what's, what's going on right now. Mm -hmm. so we're kind of rethinking the kind of idea behind the website. Well, but. we've been talking about the sort of food and connection to home. And so you are a person who tours... All the time. And mm -hmm. I, I, I know you have a, a I, I was reading up on your, your kitchen that you've designed at home, <laughs> which yeah. is really, really beautiful. Um, how do you eat on the road? I mean, I know that's a big, huge question, but if it's this thing that keeps you grounded and you're constantly traveling, mm -hmm. how, how do you take that opportunity? Because there's, there's food as fuel. Obviously, you have to eat every day or else mm -hmm. yeah, that wouldn't work out so well for you. Yeah. So what, what choice do you have in the matter? How deliberate are you about your, your food selections? And how do you physically get the food? Yeah, so kind of one of my roles um, that I was brought in as uh, uh, early on in the band, because I came in as not just the cellist when I came into the Avett Brothers. They mm -hmm. were in a, in a state of growing, mm -hmm. um, and I was just happened to be the next person that they added. Mm -hmm. I was playing three songs a night with them, and then the rest of the time I would change guitar strings, change banjo strings, set up the stage, things like that, book our hotel rooms, you know, mm -hmm. figure out where we're going to eat. That was one of my jobs. Yeah. <laughs> and so I would research, find the restaurants that we should go to, like nearby or whatever, um, you know, try to see which ones are doing cool stuff, which ones are just kind of pumping out food and just throwing it out there. Uh, early days, that's how it was. I would go and pick up to-go food. Right. And yeah. bring it back to the van, and that's how I would eat. Now, uh, having a crew of you know twenty some people on the road with wow. us, plus local crew that comes in. Um, Is this a bus thing? Yeah, we have um, buses and and tractor trailers, and there are drivers, and people need to eat. You know, everyone needs to eat, and so now um, I'm involved in the catering planning mm -hmm. um, side of it. So we have a food writer. That tells uh, the descriptions of oh, yeah. what we need, you mm -hmm. know, in terms of 
what, what do we need? Like, mm-hmm. we need fresh vegetables. We need organic, you know, ethically raised meats. We need, you know, no nitrates of any sort. We need, you know, anything that's like a healthier version of the cheap way of doing it. Right. We try to go there. Right. You know. Yeah. Obviously, that does so many, many times people do not actually read <laughs> writers, which is unfortunate. But I get to have a hand in how food is selected. So that's how I'm able to keep up that mm-hmm. kind of connection with it. Yeah. I think that's really lovely. And have you been able to kind of bend people to your tastes? A hundred percent. So in what ways have you been able to do that? Well, I mean, it's just like, just as simple as like, we're going to have tacos, you know, like I want to have really great tacos. (laughs) (laughs) It also gives you a really, it's a really exciting, and this is why I think there's a lot of overlap between food and music, because it's a lens through which to see travel Yeah. and, uh, and to it's the taste of a place. It's the sound of a place. And it's it's a way to show people who you are, what this place is is about, and give a little bit of your, your soul to somebody. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I really think that there's that. And, and also, chefs are traveling constantly. Constantly. Yeah. Much more than me, it feels like. <laughs> and, you're, and you're pretty, like, what is this this current work? By the way, congratulations on the new album. Oh, thank you. Thanks. It's, it's a brand new baby, isn't it? Yes, it is. Only what, I don't even know what the date is. Today, the date is the 7th. <laughs> yeah, so it's three days old. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that is so marvelous. Yeah. And you're mm-hmm. on an epic tour yeah right yeah, now. yeah yeah constantly touring yeah yeah Ray Fallon tonight which I guess when this airs it will not be tonight <laughs> but um, there are always videos yeah. and so, so people can see and you've been on there many many times many times yeah it's one of my favorite places to go back I posted a picture today and I just said uh, something like we're we're back home or something Aww. like that because I, 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 I yeah. saw your Instagram <laughs> yeah I love it it's uh, just great people um it's it's always good to to see people that when they see you, they smile. That's really, really lovely. It's nice. So then when you do get to go home, you are married with an excellent dog. <laughs> yes. Two now. Oh, two dogs. Okay, what are the dogs' names? Uh, we have Simone mm. and Towns, our is new it... puppy. Towns. So I know, is there like good dog Simone? There's a hashtag yeah, associated yeah. With, with... Simone the friendly dog Simone and the friendly. Towns the friendly dog now. Aww. It all started with Buckley, our previous dog who passed away, but Buckley Aww. the friendly dog. and uh... R.I.P. Buckley. Yeah, he was a sweet one. Oh, so yeah, it's dogs are so special. Like they really, his. Um, by the way, if you follow Joe on Instagram, like there's some good dog content <laughs> on there. Like really, seriously, excellent like uh, pup content thanks. right there. I love this. So when you finally when you get back home, mm-hmm. and do you want to cook? Do you want to order in? Do you want to be cooked for? What does that look like? What is the? What oh, is your yeah. first meal once you have a little bit of time back home? This is an awesome question because um, I've been thinking about what I'm going to eat when I get home. Yeah. <laughs> um, my wife and I have been on Whole30 for a month. Oh, I'm like, sorry. Exactly. As a food person <laughs> and as a traveling person, it's very difficult to yeah. be on. And we just got off of it on record release day was our last day. Oh, bless. <laughs> and since we've been on it, Ashley's new restaurant, Pie, Poolside Pies, is opened. But we were unable to eat there because we were on Whole30. And so I'm like, I am going to get home and I'm going to go eat her new pizza. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I'm going to do. Um, I really, really, really try to go and visit my friend's restaurants when I get home first. Mm-hmm. Just because it's another way for me to connect with them, say hello. 
you yeah. know. And that, and you, you live in Raleigh. Live in Raleigh. And that is such a good, such a good food town. Between Ashley Christensen, Scott Crawford, Chidi Kumar, Chidi Kumar, another musician, Visa, yeah, another musician, yeah. (laughs) So many amazing people in in that town. It's, uh, it's really so. Chidi's restaurant is Garland, Mm -hmm. and it is is magical. Uh, Ashley Christensen has an empire. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. Scott Crawford, what are his current ones? He's got Crawford and Sons mm-hmm. and Jolie. Yeah, plus he's just a good, good dude. A very uh, good dude, yeah. Yeah, that is a, uh, and the Umstead is not far from you. The Umstead is 10 minutes drive. Uh, Stephen Deborah Green, the chef he's there. He's so good. He made me the gothest scallop dish. Oh, uh, he can, he's, he's brilliant <laughs> that way. <laughs> he's, he's really, really talented. He is. So then... Uh, you know, you you get home and you make this meal. Like, how much do you cook once you get back? Oh, uh, we host many many dinner parties. Yeah, I, that's what I want to do all the time is host dinner parties. Yeah, it's not a chore at all for me. I, my wife and I love to have people over because I'm gone so much. I want to be home, mm-hmm. but I want to see my friends. So it's a very selfish yeah. thing. I'm like, well, you guys come over, we'll <laughs> cook for you. Lovely. And is she out on tour with you? J- just this one because mm-hmm. of uh, New York, and you know, it's an amazing city, and we get to go eat in places. And, That's such yeah. a that is such a good and beautiful thing. Yeah. And I don't know. I feel like there is so much more to say about like the intersection of all of this, and I feel like increasingly, like music festivals are really paying attention to good food, no and doubt. food festivals are starting to pay mm-hmm. more attention to. Yeah. Music yeah. and, and I think every chef wants to be a rock star and vice versa. They are. They don't have to want to be. They are already are. Oh my <laughs> gosh! I had Octo Nawab on the podcast, oh and he was a serious uh, bassist. And I think he's still like that is his outlet. And I've been talking to more and more chefs who they were saying that their stress outlet is that they badly play the guitar or bass. Or uh, Kelly Fields is learning how to drum. Oh, <laughs> she's so cool, man. Yeah, she's such a cool person. I, so I wanted. I actually almost want to see uh, an event. Gosh, maybe Food and Wine. Hey, people like bosses at oh, Food and Wine. Let's there say because we're doing an event where. <laughs> it's all the musicians cooking and the chefs Playing. in a band. I love it. Oh my gosh. I think we just invented something. <sighs> this a very could be amazing. Cool event for this. Um, so I was, I, I'd been getting the signs where I'm going to start asking you the questions that I ask everybody. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. So you, Joe Kwan, are out in. In the universe, you're you're seeing the world, and and you're you're having like this incredible experience, and you're giving it your all, out there. I can't even imagine the psychic and physical energy it must take to be away from home, and to be up on stage and give, and give this performance. What is the selfish thing you want for you? Mm. Man, I think silence. Like that's the thing I want a lot of the time is to be quiet, yeah, and not have to. There's this whole thing. Um, we call it. I call it being on, you know. Mm-hmm. And when I am outside of my house, outside of my dining room, and in public, uh, I hate that I have to monitor my behavior because you are a known person and and social media is a very strong tool um but luckily again i'm not that bad of a person (laughs) so only a handful of times have i kind of gotten to a point where i'm like i probably shouldn't have done that you know and Mm -hmm. luckily there were no 
cell phones out or whatever to capture whatever probably benign thing that I did <laughs> that I in my head exploded. Catastrophized. Into it. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, so to be in a place where I can be quiet and not have to be on would be sometimes nice. <laughs> For what it's worth, whenever your name is mentioned amongst food people, I don't know many musicians or whatever, but m- amongst food people, everybody says, oh, Joe, <laughs> oh, Joe, you're beloved by, by people That's in, in, in food. Like I was, I was having a conversation with our mutual friend Lisa Donovan right before I got here and mm. she wanted a, an extra hug delivered to Love you her. and stuff. Yeah. So, so you're not doing bad, no oh, matter good. what it is, but, <laughs> but I absolutely get that thing. And sort of side question, of that what does silence look like for you does that mean the absence of any sound or does that mean the absence of voices or what is that oh absence of all sound wow yeah. do you have our a room in your house no our whole house is quiet we don't we don't play um uh we don't play music in the house um, i'm an active listener i like to listen if i'm listening to music and if i'm not it's quiet um uh, i was telling ray this as well uh we'll, we'll, the only time I play music in the background is when we have guests over because it mm. makes people feel comfortable. Yeah, because there's so that sort of awkward. Like yeah. if you're in a restaurant, there's no music. Yeah. It's a little. Yeah, and there's this thing where I, it's hard for me even to do that because I'll be like, oh, okay, listen to this right. <laughs> I'll interrupt conversation to say that sometimes, yeah. which is super rude, but I get excited. Professional I, thing though. It's so hard, you know. Like it's it's tough for me to just let this cool thing pass and not share it. But just listen to this baseline. Yeah. I think that's <laughs> lovely. I think that's yeah. really a beautiful thing. And I see my husband, like I, I see him sort of doing that. Check out that, for a little bit. That that thing and just trying nice. to figure in is yeah. uh, you know, his hearing isn't as good as it used to be, but like he's 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 actually very talented. Um he's like, he wrote our little theme song for this. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Um but it's it's nice and we sort of we've part of our communication is we do cool out, call out the cool thing and stuff. So I appreciate when people do that. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. So what is your comfort? food oh um th- th- i have a handful of dishes that my mom makes that mm. if i'm feeling uh overwhelmed or uh, emotionally uh vulnerable which is pretty rare and my, my wife will tell you this as well but when i get there it's bad yeah um uh, I-, I can call my mom she hears it in my voice mm. and she's just like are you healthy and i'm like yeah she's like you don't have anything to worry about. That's <laughs> lovely. Can she just like record that? And it's amazing. S- and send it to me. It's so <laughs> it's so amazing to hear coming from my mom. Anyone else? I'd be like, yeah, but my problems are real. But she. But from her, she's like, if you're not healthy, then I'll worry. That's oh, and know. what are the dishes? So it'll be uh, there's this sweet and sour pork fried dish that she makes. That's amazing. There's this. Um, uh, black bean dish called uh, that's you've seen it before it's just black beans sauce over noodles mm-hmm. uh, um, called jajangmyeon um, there's a, another noodle dish that's a broth based with uh, chili peppers and seafood called jampong um, I mean those are the, like these, these dishes I can just taste them now and they just calm me down like <laughs> I would sense, I would, I wish we could have some right here. That sounds so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. So what is the last meal that you had that made you emotional? (sighs) That's a good one. Um, I was in Tokyo last year. Oh no, no, not in Tokyo. This was in Kyoto. 
either in Kyoto or Osaka. I can't remember where this restaurant is right now because that was such a whirlwind tour of Japan. Um, but we went to this restaurant called Hajime. Um, and it was one of those meals where like, you walk in and you're like, they're going to nail it. You just knew. Yeah. You feel it from the vibe. I'm like, dang. I walk in and I'm just like, oof. Yeah, this is... It's pretty amazing. Like, I haven't even had a sip of anything yet, and I, yeah, they're going to nail this. And the first course comes out, I'm just like, <laughs> melting, you know? Like, what in the world? This is far beyond what I knew that they were going to nail it with, you know? Uh, it was a, a, a truly amazing, amazing meal. There have been others, um, but that one just popped into my head as like, oh, I wish I could do that again. I love that. You know? So what is the last meal that somebody cooked for you in their home? Uh, my, I'm just making sure this is correct. My, um, my nephew's birthday. How uh, old? He turned 10. My sister cooked, uh, he wanted a taco party. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I love tacos. <laughs> I do too. Like, it's, <laughs> like perfect. <laughs> and, and like taco, like the old school, like Ortega, like hard That's what she shell. did. Oh, I love yeah. it. I <laughs> with love the whole, it. the seasoning pack and the ground beef. We with the, did. Yeah. Actually, it's been, we did a taco bar party recently with friends and um, my friend who does all the importing of Korean stuff. Like, you know, she grew up in Seoul and she grew up very wealthy in Seoul. Uh -huh. She had never had taco oh, night. So we snap. got to, I think she's 37 now. So at like age 37, we got to introduce her to taco night. Wow. She was so happy. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> it was, I get excited about taco night and I've had taco night. <laughs> oh my god! With like all the shreds and cheese yes. and stuff like that, but it was such a beautiful thing because I grew up taking it for granted, or yeah. we would have it at school lunch or whatever. But to see somebody's face as they experienced it for the first time was a hard shell taco with like shredded lettuce and, and sour cream. And, <laughs> and now, like they make them in Cool Ranch too, or like extra, Ugh. like they they vary the flavor. Season. Oh, they had Doritos version of oh, the taco shell. It was geez. just the best. Why is it so good? It's just so good. It's like <laughs> scientifically engineered to be amazing. It is. That's what I said. It's true. It is. Yeah. Oh, oh my. You are the first person who I'm actually going to ask this question in reverse because I always ask, the question I usually ask is, what living musician would you want to cook for and what would you cook for them? So I'm going to flip it and say, what chef would you want to cook for? Ooh. Who you have not cooked for before? Who I have not cooked for because I know you've you've cooked with slash for plenty of chefs. Yeah, um, I just because I love her so much, and I I love cooking for people just to like share a meal. I want to cook for Sarah Grimberg. Oh, she's so good. I love her. She's so, yeah. oh, her food is so good. What would you make for her? Hmm. I would probably do some sort of Japanese open flame dinner. Yeah. Mm, my yeah. God. Hey, Sarah, yeah. <laughs> go over to Joe's house for dinner. Like that's, oh, that's such a good choice. Yeah, she taught me how to make fresh pasta. Oh, so. my gosh. At Blackberry Farm. <laughs> <laughs> good, nice work if you can get it. Yeah. <laughs> that's really lovely. And final question. You have five uninterrupted minutes for self-care. What do you do? actually pretty easy for me um i would probably sit in front of and this is a new thing because i just kind of fallen back in love with listening to vinyl mm, yeah um because my turntable died and i just got recently got a new one but i've been just 
sitting in front of my speakers and listening to an amazing album for five minutes is enough to really set me in the right mood, calm me down. What's the most recent one? Um, the most recent one that I've, I, I, I could not sit for, for just five minutes, um, was Alila Diane, To Be Still. Just an amazing album. Yeah. I- I don't know this, but you, I'm going to go find no, you it. Need to go find and I'm going to like go have taco night. Yeah. I think now. Thank you so much for coming in here. Thank you. And this pe- has been so fun. And if people want to find you on social, it's Joe Quan 80, isn't yep, it? For it's, everything. Yeah, yeah. And if they want to find where you're on tour, the avettbrothers.com. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I wish if we were in real time, I'd say go watch him on Fallon tonight. Yeah. But the, the videos will be up. That's I, right. And we're always touring. So we're probably <laughs> coming to your town. Yeah. See if, and, uh, you know, bring him bring him something delicious to eat <laughs> <laughs> invite him over to dinner <laughs> and uh, or if you see him maybe let him have his his quiet moment <laughs> yeah. Yeah. oh no no do not let me have my quiet moment those <laughs> moments i am very willing to give up if you see me on the street and you need to say hello please say hello i will give you a hug and buy the man a taco. <laughs> and buy me a taco. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much to our guest today, Joe Kwan. Uh, thank you to our producer, uh, Jennifer Martnick, to uh, Douglas Wagner for our delightful theme song. If you want to find us um, online, gosh, this podcast, it's Communal Table. And you can find it on Apple Podcasts. You can find it on Spotify. You can find it on our new YouTube channel. You can go to foodandwine.com and find it there. You can probably, like, if you if you have, like, metal braces, you can probably get it through that through um, you know the thing we just injected into your arm you can get it through that as well and if you like what you heard you know stars are great uh, comments are fantastic because they let us keep doing this thing be found by the algorithm it's all about the dang algorithm these days and it helps us a lot if you want to tell a friend bully them into subscribing that would be really really great um, if there's a guest you think we should be talking to or something some topic you want to hear address I'm pretty easy to find I'm on Twitter at kitten with a whip and I don't know I'm just I'm not a very hard to find kind of person so please let me know and most importantly take good care of yourself until the next time 